Before we start the program, I want to introduce you to an event that's coming up this August. The Loma Linda Institute of Worship is offering a worship leadership certificate to help leaders and pastors take their congregation's worship experience to the next level. This August 9-12 through 12 event will include presenters Randy Roberts, Adriana Pereira, Nicholas Zork, Wayne Buckner, Richard Hickam, and more, and provide the opportunity to perform on stage with Steve Green and the Heritage Singers. Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. Hey everyone, I'm Pastor Josh, and uh, I'm the Contemporary Worship Pastor at LLUC, and it is so good to worship with you this morning. I always like to start out by saying that I truly believe that the presence of God is with us when we worship. I believe that our God is alive and well, and that lives can actually be changed this morning because of the worship that happens. Well, we've been in a message series entitled, The Gift of Gab, talking about the importance of hard conversations and the life that they can bring when we engage in them. You know, conversation, it's such a huge part of our lives. You could even say that uh, conversation is really a part of our humanity. And I've always found conversations to be such an interesting and intriguing concept. You know, there's so many types of conversations that you can have. You can have heated conversations, quiet conversations, serious conversations, lighthearted conversations, intellectual conversations, inspiring conversations. And nowadays, there's a new conversation that has come onto the scene, and it's actually what I like to call the muffled mask conversation. <laughs> you know the conversation that you try to have with someone when you have a, a square foot of fabric covering your mouth and, and you can't hear a word each other is saying, and you have to repeat everything like five times. That is a tough conversation. There's so many different types of conversations. And then there's uh, you extroverts out there. Okay, let's talk about you extroverts. Uh, conversation is something that comes uh, easy to you and might even be something that you look forward to. And then there's people like myself who are introverts and might even try to avoid conversations. And yes, I will admit, small talk conversations can be exhausting. And don't get me started on the awkward conversation. I've had many of those and maybe you can relate. I don't know if you remember a time where uh, you went up to that girl or guy that you had a crush on and you tried to talk to them for the first time. The first time I tried to do that, I had an open bottle of water in my hand. And as I was trying to talk to this girl that I, I had a crush on, I got so mesmerized and nervous that without noticing, I actually began to pour water all over her shoes. <laughs> Let's just say that conversation stopped flowing pretty quickly. Or there's that conversation you have with someone that changes the way you think or even your perspective on something. You know, those can be challenging, but yet very eye-opening conversations. One of those conversations actually happened not too long ago for me with my little brother when he explained that looking into the microwave won't actually make you go blind. That was an eye-opening conversation. But then there's also that conversation you have to have with your friend who just lost their parent to a tragic car accident. That conversation is filled with pain and uncertainty and oftentimes that conversation only has four words, I'm here for you. Or what about that conversation the doctor has with your spouse telling them that they have cancer? You know, no one wants to have that conversation. You see, conversation, it's a part of our humanity. And not only is it a part of our humanity, but conversation is a part of our history. 
certain conversations have shaped the course of history and time. You know, I can't imagine being there for the conversation when the United States decided to enter into World War II. I can't imagine being there for the conversation when they decided to drop the atomic bomb on Hiroshima. Those conversations, they changed the course of history. Or maybe a conversation, they changed the course of your history. Maybe just like the atomic bomb, someone in a conversation dropped a bomb on your dreams and told you you weren't good enough. Or maybe it was the other way around and maybe it was through a conversation that the course of your life was actually changed for the positive. You know, Dwight L. Moody, uh, he wouldn't have become that famous American evangelist had it not have been for the life-altering conversation he had had with his Sunday school teacher when he was a young man. You see, conversations there, they're part of our history. Well, we've seen that conversations, they're, they're part of our humanity. Conversations are part of our history. But I also want to suggest to you this morning that a conversation was part of our healing. You see, the most important and life-altering conversation that has ever happened in the history of this earth was when God decided to make a journey down to our planet to have a personal conversation with us, His creation. You see, our world was, and, and it is sick, with a disease called sin, and Christ came to this world to have a conversation with His inhabitants, a conversation that would bring healing and restoration to this planet and to all humanity. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And in verse 17, it goes on to say that, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. You see right here, God didn't come into the world to condemn it, but rather He came into this world to have a conversation with it. He stepped into our bubble, he stepped into our house, he stepped into our mess, and he came here to have a conversation, a conversation of healing and restoration. Well, this morning, uh, I believe that he wants to have that same conversation with you today. He wants to bring a conversation of healing to your life. He wants to bring a healing to your relationships. He wants to bring healing to your finances, to your anxiety. He wants to bring a conversation of healing to your sickness. He wants to bring a conversation of healing and restoration to your life this morning. Well, this Christ conversation, it ended up in an upper room with Jesus' disciples. They were, they were gathered together. And as they were gathered together, Jesus uh, explained to them as they celebrated the Passover meal, he handed out the bread and the wine and he explained that these would become symbols of his body which would be beaten and sacrificed and his blood which would be poured out for the sins of all. And as a church, we still celebrate and we remember that upper room conversation to this day. You know, we celebrate this event uh, that brought unity to all our conversations. We are now unified as the body of Christ through the blood of Christ. You see, the church is His body. The church is one. But here's the thing. Unfortunately, this isn't always the case. You know, oftentimes as Christians, uh, we live in this state of disunity. We live in a way in which we are divided by preference, by different worship styles, by class, by education, by generations, and even by race. We aren't willing to have those hard conversations with the other side. Well, this morning, I think the question truly arises, 
just as Christ took a trip into the world to have a conversation with us, will you take a trip into someone else's world to have a conversation with them? You see, our church is full of different worlds, full of different worlds to journey into, worlds that include poverty, worlds that include cultures and races, different worship styles, different generation, different ways of seeing things. And, and are you willing to venture into someone else's world just as Christ ventured into your own? Are you willing to have those conversations, those cross-cultural conversations, the intergenerational conversation, the challenging conversation, the perspective-changing conversation? Well, the question then arises, how exactly do we do that? <laughs> what, are, what are the first steps? Where can we start? Well, I think that Scripture is always the first place that we can turn to. Um, scripture can lead us to know where to begin and give us principles to follow. You see, the early church wasn't too much different than the church in the 21st century. There was also disunity present uh, even among them then at that time. You see, the early church in Corinth was full of it, and when you journey further into its history, you stumble upon a, a rather broken scene. You can actually see in the book of 1 Corinthians, the, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, sending a letter to the early church of Corinth, and he's about to have a very hard conversation. In 1 Corinthians 11, 17 to 22, um, he writes, In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this manner. So you see right here, uh, back in those times, they celebrated communion a little differently. Uh, they celebrated differently than we do today. And they would actually come together and have a feast. And because of poverty in the early church, uh, there were those who came to this love feast with lots, and then there was those who came with nothing to share. But the thing right here is what was happening was that as they celebrated, those who brought lots, they, they kept it all to themselves. And those who had nothing, they ended up actually going hungry. And those who had plenty, they would actually stick together in their own little groups and their divisions. And, and Paul right here is writing to the church of Corinth and he's saying, really guys? He's saying, come on, the communion meal you're celebrating is all about unifying. It's communion, it's common union. But you're doing everything but that. There is no unity happening here. There is only disunity and division. It's funny here, he even goes as far as to say that you can't even really say that you're celebrating the Lord's Supper because you aren't celebrating what it's really about. Your brother and sister right beside you are going hungry. You know, you can just imagine the, the frustration in the room as Paul is penning this letter. He's like, come on guys, this is not what the church is about. You see, the church in Corinth, they had stopped having those hard conversations. They were divided. They were disunited. And the thing is, I think that too often our churches today can be found in that very same situation. And maybe that's exactly what you've seen. Maybe that's exactly how you felt. Well, I believe that we can draw three points from this passage this morning that can help us move into conversations with one another 
that can take us from disunity to unity. And that can help us step into the world of the person next to us and show we really care. The first point that can be drawn from this passage is that sometimes we need to stop chewing and start doing. In verse 21, Paul says to the Corinthian church, he says this, he says, For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers, and as a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. You see right here, some of the Corinthian church members, they were bringing their own provisions for the love feast and, and spent their whole time stuffing themselves on the body of Christ without realizing that the, the person next to them, the people next to them were starving. And I think that oftentimes we come to church in person or, or right now it's online and, and we listen to sermons, we sing the songs, we say the right things, we spend our time feasting on the body of Christ, filling ourselves with programs and religious tradition while not realizing that our neighbor sitting right next to us is starving. They're starving for you to be the body of Christ, to show them love and to show that you notice them and that you actually care about their situation. I believe God right here, he, he's saying, he said, yeah, I, I gave you my body to eat, but, but eventually you got to stop eating the body and you got to start being the body. And eventually you got to start, stop drinking the blood and you got to start showing some love. You got to stop chewing and you've got to start doing. You see, it's so easy to get caught up in just going through the motions of religion. Forget to pay attention to what really matters. God was always having to remind the Israelites of this, actually. You know, in Isaiah 1, 13 to 17, it says, Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbath, and convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies, your new moon feasts, and your appointed festivals. I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. See, the Israelites, they had found themselves simply just going through the motions simply just practicing their traditions. And God was like, he's like, how can you even call this worship when the people right next to you are going hungry? He told them you need to stop chewing and start doing. Maybe God is calling you to stop chewing and start doing this morning. It's not just simply feed on the body of Christ, but to start being the body of Christ. To begin to step into someone else's world just like he stepped into your own. The second point that we found in this passage is, is that sometimes you need to step out of the house. You know, for the past couple of months, a lot of us have been stuck in our houses. Uh, I, for one, I've been working from home. Uh, so most of my days are spent inside the house and I don't often get out. And to tell you the truth, it's been taking a toll on me, okay? I've noticed that I've been maybe a little moody, and I tend to complain more often about things, and, and I've actually, okay, I've become really socially awkward. I feel like I no longer know how to talk to people. <laughs> I've been gaining weight, and honestly, the list goes on. Well, 
my fiance has been going to work still every day and she's begun to notice I think some of these changes and well one day she's like you know she had enough and she came home and she said to me she said Josh you have got to get out of this place you have got to step out of the house <laughs> well Paul right here you know he tells the church of Corinth in verse 22 after he tells them um, that some of the church is going hungry during the love feast he says he says don't you have homes to eat and drink in or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? You know, Paul is saying to them, he's saying, look, if you want to come to church and only think about yourself, then you probably should have stayed home. If you want to come to church and be comfortable, then you should have, shouldn't have stepped out of your house. Because coming to church and being the church is going to most likely make you uncomfortable. In order to be the body of Christ, you've got to step out of your house. You've got to step out of your comfort zone and engage those beside you in conversation and engage this world in conversation. Just like Christ stepped out of His own house and stepped into your world, you've got to step out of your house, your comfort zone, and step into someone else's world. Well, what does that look like on an actually practical level? Well, maybe that means stepping out of your comfort zone and having that conversation with that millennial who doesn't exactly dress like you or doesn't exactly worship like you. Maybe that means stepping out and having a conversation with your black neighbor and trying to better understand the issue of racism. Maybe that means having a conversation with the church down the road and, and trying to resolve years of conflict. Or maybe that means sitting down with your own family who you can only remember ever having really a broken relationship with. I believe that God is calling you this morning to step out of the house, to step out of your comfort zone and into someone else's world to have a conversation with them, a conversation that can bring healing and restoration. Well, the third and, and the last point that I want to make this morning is that you've got to start with grace. You know, the Corinthians, uh, they had gathered for this big meal together and I can just see them all gathered around tables and I can imagine maybe someone at the table said, can someone say grace? You know, I don't know if you ever had a family meal and someone asked that same thing. Can, can someone say grace? And usually someone else, they jokingly pipe in and they simply say grace and then everyone laughs and then you actually have to say the real thing. Well, I've always wondered, like, why? I like, what's up with the saying, you know, say grace, say grace before the meal. But as I've been thinking about it, you know, I think, I think I know why. And I believe that there is a lesson that we can learn in it. You see, we need to always start with grace. Before the meal or before the conversation, we need to always start with grace. That same grace that Jesus offered us even when we didn't deserve it. You know, in 1 John 4, he says, it says, we love because he first loved us. You know, we've just talked about stepping into someone else's world. But are you willing to do it with the grace and the love that Jesus first showed us? To move into that conversation with the heart of understanding, with humility and with kindness. To live a life that exudes love to others even when they don't deserve it. Will you always start with grace? Well, this morning, I, I want to come back full circle, uh, back to that conversation that Jesus had with his disciples in, in that upper room. 
And uh, we want to celebrate alongside with them. We want to celebrate the unifying act of the gospel. And so as we take part in this communion, you know, let us think of it maybe not as communion, but common union. The union we have with each other through the blood of Christ. As we take the bread and the wine, I just encourage you to thank God for stepping into your world and having a personal conversation with you. And then think about how you can step into someone else's world to have a life-giving conversation with them. You know, it's going to require you to, to stop chewing and to start doing, to step out of the house, to step out of your own comfort zone, and to always start with grace. The grace that Jesus has offered each one of us.